Incoming transmission. The Klingon word of the day is pull. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile. They're long and prosperous. and welcome to the computer resume podcast the show covering the entire star trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old i'm your host writer comedian mr todd a davis this very podcast hangs on the whims of this very madman may i present the creator of the star trek chronology project it's jason keener yeah <laughs> jason keener <laughs> how you doing oh, man, man? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm I'm so good. This this is a big big check off the list of guests I have to get for this show. Oh, that's great. If uh if anybody out there if this is your first episode listening, just know that this entire podcast is structured off of this man's work <laughs> with the Star Trek <laughs> Chronology Project. Um just real quick, let, I mean, let's dive right in. Yeah. What is your background with Star Trek? Like early yeah. memories who introduced you to it yeah totally so i am 42 so i definitely look great sir <laughs> thanks yeah <laughs> i definitely fall right smack dab into that like next gen was on tv when i was you know coming of age or whatever you know yes and, um so some of my earliest memories of star trek actually were being at my dad's house and when next gen like first came on in fact i feel like i watched the premiere I feel like I watched Encounter at Farpoint with him. I kind of have like a vague memory of that. Yeah. And um, and then I also remember just being at my grandparents' house, like whenever I used to spend summers there, just, you know, my mom was at work. And, of course. And uh, and just watching TV downstairs and whatever, like TV Land or whatever was always showing reruns of TV. Yes. And so I kind of have these like, those are sort of my earliest Trek memories. Fun. Um, but really, honestly, it's kind of a sad story, but kind of fun in a way too. Um, this is a like safe, in, this is a safe place. It's, yeah. It's a sad story, but it's fine. <laughs> we're all, we're all nerds here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I was like in middle school, um, I had friends, but I didn't have like a ton. Of, I didn't have a huge social life, you know? And for whatever reason, I just remember on like Saturday nights, I would I'd some, somewhere along the line for Christmas or something, somebody bought a box, a VHS box set of the first six films. Right. So Ooh. this would have been probably shortly after Star Trek six. Came. In fact, actually, now I think about it, I think it was just the box. It was just the first five. And then somebody bought the sixth one. Okay. Yeah. Out. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember watching those like constantly, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like it was like just one, just one at a time, but it was like every weekend I'd watch one of them, you know? And um, honestly, that's what really got me into like, kind of like the canon of Trek, because I don't know if you remember this, but there was the trailer for Star Trek Six was awesome. Like the first teaser trailer for that film, which I think was attached to the VHS of Star Trek Five. I think this is where I saw it, right? Uh -huh. And and it was like it was just this like long shot. Actually, it was a close up shot rather of the Enterprise, and there was like projection images on it. And it was like this. I don't remember the exact dialogue, but it was like for one quarter of a century, 
They have thrilled us with their adventures, amazed us with their discoveries, and inspired us with their courage. Their ship has journeyed beyond imagination. Her name has become legend. Her crew, the finest ever assembled. We have traveled beside them from one corner of the galaxy to the other. They have been our guides, our protectors, and our friends. Now you are invited to join them for one last adventure. For at the end of history lies the undiscovered country. Part of the reason I just remember that trailer and just being like, oh man, you know, this is so great. Like it all ties back, like the series and the movies are all part of the same thing. And yeah, and then Next Generation was on. And that was just kind of my introduction to like shared franchise canon, too. You know, like that wasn't as much of a thing back then. Like now everything's a franchise, everything, you know, the MCU and all that. Of course. Back then it that was different. It was like, okay, these are two different shows but they do take place in the same universe, right? This one's just like 85 years later or whatever. Yeah. You know? And uh, and I just remember just being, for some, whatever reason I was into that, you know? And um, so I just kind of grew up with those characters, you know, like Kirk, mm-hmm. Spock, you know? Um, you know, it's, we joke, you know, and it's kind of sad and nerdy in a way, but like they were my friends, you know? <laughs> like, like I felt like I knew these characters. I knew them well, you know? Oh yeah, I've, I've spoken before about like the idea of... Uh, the film industry being this illustrious, you know, golden ivory tower type thing. But honestly, it's the TV folks because you're not going to a theater. You're inviting them into your home. And it's, it's that family connection. Um, I, and I'll, I'll let you continue because this is very fascinating, but like, just as an example, like when my, my mother passed away when I was 19 Mm, and uh, yeah, and it was it, it, again just devastated me. It devastated the whole family. We were just she was sick for a very short time, then gone. But um, one of the things I took solace in was that '70s show mm. because the characters of Red and Kitty were just like my parents. I mean, down to the hair, the clothes, yep. everything. And so it was kind of like my parents were together again. And yep. yeah, yeah, that's I. I totally see where you're coming from. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. And red's a pretty prolific uh, star Trek actor too. Is, yes. <laughs> he is also on the bucket list. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was kind of, it. it's funny. So through high school, even mm-hmm. it's like, I had those six, you know, I would watch it on TV, right? I watched TNG. Of course. Um, every Tuesday night or whenever it was on. Yeah. Um, got into deep space nine a little bit. I didn't watch mm-hmm. deep space nine as regularly. Mm. Um, but then when I was in college, Voyager was on. And I remember my freshman year, I would go over to a buddy's house. I think it was one Wednesday nights. And we'd go over there. We'd order a pizza. And that was like it. We'd watch Voyager every week. Nice. And um, it was funny because I had almost worn out those six VHS tapes. <laughs> and yeah. so I got right when I was going into college, I was like, man, I watch these all the time. Like, I should get some more. And so I bought the other movies that had been out. So it was like Generations of First Contact, I think, at that point. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe Insurrection had just come out. Mm. And um, and then I bought a again. This is VHS. <laughs> yeah, but no, yeah. 
I bought another box set of the four at the time pilot episodes. So nice. it was like the TOS one had both the pilots, right? The cage and where no man has gone before. And then, yeah. uh, and then encounter at Farpoint was its own VHS and, and emissary and um, caretaker. Right. And those are like mini movies in and of themselves. Right. They're yeah. Just, you know, they're so, essentially, uh, they're essentially uh, telefilms, I think yeah. is the term. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then I kind of expanded sort of my little like, oh, good. Now I can put these in the rotation. I'm not watching these six movies over and over again. Nice. Um, and then I ended up buying like more VHSs. And I think, I think till I stopped, I probably had, I don't know, maybe 50, you know, but like individual episodes. You know what I miss about VHS? Not the quality. The quality was terrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but it was fun, like seeing them on a shelf, you know, it's like a library and like each episode yes. is like its own thing, you know, oh, yeah. you don't just, you don't get that with DVD and you don't get that with streaming at all. You know, it's just, yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just cool. It's cool to have like, you know, there's, there's a such thing as too much stuff, you know, but um, at the time it was just, it was just fun to have that. And uh, so that's kind of how I got into it. Somewhere along the line, I stopped buying VHS tapes and I got like the DVD sets and stuff. But yeah, um, I think they, because they were those were roughly those were roughly the same size as a as a single VHS. But it was kind of you could have yeah. more of them in sort of a compact space. Yeah, they're like oh, about yay big. Yeah. You know? Yeah, not not much, not much, uh, not much different dimensions from a VHS, and yeah, yeah you get the you know that volume one, volume two, volume three. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, well, gosh, I you know, I, you know, I, we will we will get into this this week's topic. I I promise, but I do have a few more questions. Yeah, go for it, man. Um, like was first of all, okay, first of all, was this just you? Was it just you putting it together? <laughs> yes. Really? So, okay. Yeah. So the reason I laugh is if, if you go on the chronology project, obviously you have. Oh, yeah. Um, I used a lot of we language on there. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I'm not sure why. I mean, this was a long time ago that I did this. Um, I, I think it was just a way of trying to add credibility so it didn't sound like one dude in his bedroom doing this thing. But it really was. It was just me. So even though like when you read it, it's like we did this and then we did this and yada, yada, yada. It, no, but there's no, we. It's, it's, it's just me. <laughs> hey, you know what? I do. The, I do the same thing. Like, I mean, my wife, I just, I just recently made my wife an executive producer of this show. Mm-hmm. And I have uh, a buddy of mine who does a lot of the like title cards and stuff that appear on yeah. our Instagram. But other than that, it's all me. And I, yeah. I'm, you know, from all of us at the computer resume podcast, like, yeah. my wife she's not in here <laughs> editing with me yeah, uh yeah. but yeah it no it's it does it lends some credibility i totally understand that and yeah, yeah it's i feel like every podcast is just some dude in a basement just yeah okay yeah, it sounds much. good here <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly um so being that you are a fan of the franchise or at least i assume you're a fan of the franchise as a whole oh, yeah. i mean you did a whole list Yep. Yep. What are your thoughts before we dive headfirst into today's topic? What are your thoughts on enterprise? This scene, enterprise seems to be kind of a decider for folks, you know, kind of like, it's, it's like tequila. You either can drink tequila or you can't. (laughs) Jaeger, same thing. (laughs) Yeah. So it's funny. I, I've always been up until recently, I've always been very much a Trek apologist, right? Like if it's Trek, I can find something to love about it, you know? Okay. Yeah. And um, 
and that was true of enterprise too. In fact, when enterprise first came on, um, I really, I was really like, man, this is, this is different. You know, Voyager just ended. We just had TNG, Deep, uh-huh. Deep Space Nine and Voyager kind of all running congruently. They all have a very similar feel. Um, you know, they take place around the same time, roughly right. that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, they can cross over with each other, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then I remember Voyager, it was probably in its seventh season and I saw the first ad for Enterprise. And it was, it was like, they used that, the calling song, wherever you will go. It was like a modern pop song. It was like the background of this trailer. And I was just yeah. like, man, this feels, this is just different, you know? And, um, and so I remember watching the pilot and I remember the things I was thinking of with the pilot was one, why does the Klingon have forehead ridges, which is such a stupid thing. But of course, you know, <laughs> stupid nerd canon. I'm like, wait a minute. Okay. This doesn't make sense. Yeah. Which of yeah. course they, they tried to answer to, you know, depending on who you ask varying degrees of success later. Exactly. Um, but then everything about it, like one of the things that everybody talks about with enterprises, the theme song, right. And of course. It's, it's, it's not good, right. It's not a good song, <laughs> but at the, <laughs> but at the time it was so different that even that I was like, okay, and they're really doing something different here. And I, and I kind of liked it, not the song itself, but I liked the idea of it, you know, and the, the, the visuals that went with it, the whole idea of like from yeah. early space travel up until I was like, Hey, this is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was, I was on board when it, when it first launched, I was there. Um, and, uh, and I was excited about it, you know, as it went on, you know, I'd say enterprise as a whole is pretty, ended up being pretty vanilla to me, you know? Okay. It's, yeah. It's not, it's not bad. They tried to do some different things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely, well, at least maybe up until some recent stuff, it was definitely the more like action oriented series. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Where Trek has been traditionally more of a diplomatic, diplomatic, more thoughtful, yeah, you know, more cerebral, mm-hmm. um, and enterprise was, you know, just doing what was popular at the time and, and just leaning more into the action, which again, at first I really liked. Uh, and then after a while, I was kind of like, ah, I miss TNG. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> um, well, it's funny. It's funny because it, and I, I'm, sp- I'm, I'm trying to not repeat myself so many times on episodes, but uh, you know where Enterprise falls in terms of t- television history was kind of at the end, towards the end of the episodic trend. But it was right before the serialized trend came yeah. back into play. I always point to ABC's Lost as yep. being the you know the main thing that sort of kicked that off. Yeah, that that and Twenty Four, I'd say, are the ones that really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it but because it kind of fell in the middle, it wasn't one or the other. Yeah, and they you know later seasons. Now we're in season three, mm-hmm. and you know as we're going through season three into season four, we're seeing more two and three episode arcs within an overarching story of, uh, you know, the Zindi and the temporal cold war and stuff like that. And we're seeing the nice thing is, is we're seeing, we're seeing some relationships being built obviously between Archer and commander Shran, you know, with the Andorians. Um, And obviously he's, uh, you know, done some, some relationship building, maybe some relationship destroying with the Klingons. Uh, but yeah, this is, this is a really interesting, it's a really interesting series amongst everything else in the franchise, because it kind of, it kind of, even though it's technically the end of the TNG era, um, it kind of stands, it kind of stands alone. Um, and I, you know, and I've spoken also that, uh, not everything has aged well, (laughs) there are some (laughs) things that are definitely problematic, uh, some treatment of some, uh, treatment of women 
and yeah, drink, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There's some yeah. there's some cringy stuff to be sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, what was you? Uh, when was the? I mean, before I forced you to sit down and watch this episode, what yeah. was when was the last time you watched Enterprise of your own free will? <laughs> um, not that not that long ago. So I've been yeah. listening along to uh, you had West Teasdale on before uh, yes. on the Penske file, mm-hmm. and I've been I've been a fan of their podcast for. A number of years now and uh i don't always watch along because i've seen some of this stuff so many times that right it's kind of pointless i, I almost have them just in my head yeah <laughs> burned into your synapses <laughs> yeah uh but when they started when actually when they when they started season three which was a year ago now maybe something like that um i hadn't seen the zindi arc in a while and i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna watch this because actually i remembered I remembered really liking it when it was first on. And it's interesting you talk about that serialization because that's the thing I remembered liking about it mm-hmm. was I feel like, so this has nothing to do with the writing quality because I think that's hit or miss throughout the season. Yeah. And probably more miss than hit. But shows today like really took that lost formula and just ran with it. Like everything serialized, even newer Trek stuff. Like, like I, I don't want to bash on Discovery too much, but you know, you can't, I, I have a hard time thinking of, an episode of Star Trek Discovery and be like, oh yeah, that's the one where I think there's like two that I could do that with. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Probably um the one with Harry Mudd in the first season. Of course. Uh, Magic. <laughs> yeah. And then uh the new Eden episode in the in the second season. Other than that, they all just run together for me, you know? Yeah. And and I feel that way a lot about serialized stuff. Not that I don't like serialized storytelling. Some of the some of these newer shows on TV are, are actually great. But what I think what I remembered Enterprise doing well, and I still think they did this fairly well as a whole was that they had a season-long arc so it was serialized but within that they were still able to tell individual stories so you could still say oh that's like this this episode right that's the the zombie one or whatever right yeah yeah like you you the episodes still have their own identity even though they're part of a larger arc and i feel like that's something that i'd like to see come back to tv Mm. um and some shows do it i I feel like some of the dc shows and stuff are able to do that but um for the most part it's like the episodes lose their identity kind of in the sea of the the serialized art right that it it is definitely it is definitely the flip side to the coin of a serialized narrative where yeah you can't pinpoint one particular episode it's not you can't really sit and you know if you're Staying home sick from school, you can't really yeah. sit and watch an episode of Discovery. You can do that with TNG, TOS, Deep yeah. Space Nine, Voyager. But yeah, the, it really doesn't. You kind of have to watch it from the beginning. It watches yeah, it like affects, one one big story. Yeah, it really affects its rewatchability. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's a commitment. It's a commitment to sit and watch it. Yeah. I think now, from what I understand, uh, Strange New Worlds coming soon to Paramount Plus uh, yeah. will. I've heard that they are sort of going to re-embrace the episodic nature of the show uh, as it originally was, which. Yeah. It's funny. I talk to people online on discord or whatever. And um, you know, I'm part of some communities where for the most part, none of us are really big fans of discovery um, and even Picard to a degree. And uh, I, I, I have, keep... I have issues with Picard. Yeah. <laughs> And I, we'll, we'll get into I those usually later. go on there and I, and I usually say something like I'm cautiously optimistic about strange new worlds and people are always like, nope, it's going to suck. But, <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, but it might not like there's, I know it's a lot of the same writing teams and stuff, which, which gives me pause. But uh, if they do what they're saying 
they're going to do. Mm. Uh, it it could it could be a good show. I'm I'm looking forward to it, and I might I might eat those words when it comes out. But but I'm yeah. I'm going to remain optimistic for for the time I, being. I think. I think Anson Mount uh, cemented his place with the fandom, you know, from his appearances on Discovery, obviously. Um, uh, Rebecca Romaine is number one. Looks great. And from what we've seen, knocking it out of the park, she's she's great. Um, And I believe Ethan Peck, the young man playing playing Spock, um, solid. I mean, understanding that those roles are not they're not big shoes to fill those are small boats <laughs> like those <Yeah. laughs> that is a daunting i gotta imagine for any actor that's a daunting task to be like hey you remember the person who yeah. kind of kick-started this whole half century long franchise nope. you're gonna play the new one like oh my god <laughs> but yeah, so spock, far but so far so good yeah yeah i yeah. mean spock's huge shoes to fill you know i don't i don't envy him i mean no one's gonna be leonard nimoy but uh, but he's but he's done a good job. I'm looking for, if they're telling good stories and it's fun to watch. Um, I'm in, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I and I'm I'm down for it too. I uh, yeah, I you know I had uh, yeah because you mentioned the same thing about the uh, the serialized narrative of Picard, and I, I wonder how much of it was so driven by nostalgia of folks our age yep. who are just you know for me and I've mentioned this before like Picard. I actually mentioned it to somebody as I was pitching them coming on the show. (laughs) The question came up of like, who's your captain? And um, I said, uh, to be honest, my captain is Picard. And because he was the firm, but reasonable voice that I needed as a young man of like, I'm in control, but I'm not so cold hearted. I mean, he starts off very cold hearted, but you know, as the series goes along, he's, you know, uh, you know, softens up a little bit and he actually has conversations with Wesley Crusher. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and it's, it, you know, that was so fascinating to see in addition to, uh, you know, the fan theory that's out there that uh, Wesley Riker and Picard are actually three versions of the same person. And interesting. I've never heard that. Yeah. The, someone's kind of like, uh, you know, I, I made uh, to a, an art friend of mine, uh, a tattoo artist rather out in Colorado. He's got a studio out there and I was, he was looking for some Star Trek art, some Star Trek imagery to, you know, to do in his studio. I said, you know, it'd be fun to see sort of like a religious allegory based on Star Trek. And I said, you know, you could do, you could do Picard, Riker and Wesley as sort of like the father, son, Holy ghost and, <laughs> and their, and their significant women. Cause you know, with Wes, you'll, you'd obviously have, uh, Beverly Crusher, the mother, you know, oh, with Riker, yeah. you would have Deanna, the lover, yeah. the counselor. Uh-huh. And then I, and then I thought for Picard, it's kind of tricky because you either go the, the friend, you know, the, the confidant, the, the sounding board in yeah. Guinan, yep. or you go with the, the sister who's endured the same trauma in seven of nine. Oh, and I, I thought that would would be really interesting but anyways uh we're getting we're getting further away from enterprise yeah, here. <laughs> <laughs> um so uh, this is what happens when you get two nerds on the same zoom call folks <laughs> yeah. uh so just really quickly i mentioned uh you know my captain is um my captain is picard it sounds like your captain is kirk if i were to guess um uh, you know it's interesting even though even though it was those original films that i feel like cemented mm. 
uh, I I would say Picard as well, probably for really? similar reasons that you did. Yeah, I just I really do love that character. Obviously, Patrick Stewart's performance didn't hurt things, and um, yeah, <laughs> just that you know he's he has wisdom, he has compassion. Um, yeah, I, if I had to choose, if somebody said who's your favorite captain, I'd I'd say Picard. Um, yeah. yeah. So let me bounce this question off of you. And this is something whenever I'm asked, because it, gosh, you know, try to join a Star Trek fan group on Facebook. You're going to get at least six questions to qualify your fandom. And one of them inevitably is who's your favorite captain and why? But it's rare that they'll ask the second part to that question of, okay, that's your favorite captain. Who do you think is the best captain? If you're completely objective about it. Mm. You know, if you can set aside, if you can set aside who your personal favorite. Now, if they if they are the same, okay. Yeah. But I, because I always have two different answers. My captain is Picard, but who do I think the best captain is? It's Janeway, clearly. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's look. She wasn't. Uh, you know, half the crew wanted to kill her before they left Deep Space Nine. <laughs> Ship was not meant to be out that far. They integrated board technology and a member into their crew, and for the most part, still got everybody home. Like. She's the shepherd. Yeah, She's the shepherd, man. She's yeah. She took took care of the flock. So yeah, that's that's, that's a good point. I never really thought of it that way. Um, yeah. Don't let don't let me sway you. Stand your ground. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who. I think I'd still go with Picard. I just feel like you know it's interesting though because the rest of the crew matters. Like Picard without Riker is a very different situation. Mm. You know because I would say you know firefight or you know if I'm in trouble on an away mission or something I want Kirk. You know. Yeah, like he can hold his own. Right. Um, but you kind of have Riker sort of fills that Kirk uh, void. On yeah. Stage. So if you have Picard and Riker, I'd take that combo over over Kirk. You know, huh. um, you know, when I think it's still go with Picard. We did uh, we did a fantasy draft. Uh, you know, yeah, I had some yeah, I listened, frequent. I listened to some of that. Did you? Yeah. OK, um, I chose as my captain. I chose Riker. And kind of got, I kind of got right. some heat for it. And I was like, honestly, if Kirk is the pirate mm-hmm. and Picard is like the soldier sailor, I feel like Riker's somewhere in the middle. Look, look yeah. at how the, look at how he sits in a chair. I mean, <laughs> that's, he's clearly got some Kirkisms, but uh, you know, under the, under the tutelage of Picard, like he's also yeah. getting that creative adherence to diplomacy in the prime directive that Kirk didn't always observe all the time. Um, So I always felt like he was such a good mix of, of the two, but also prefer older Kirk to younger Kirk. Really? Um, Okay. This is interesting. Tell me why. Well, honestly, I think that that might be less objective and more just comes down to the nostalgia thing. Right. I just love the real, the way he relates to bones, the way he relates to Spock and stuff in the films, you know, they mm. just, they just have that, that chemistry that they had in, in the original series too, but it's just really cemented. Yeah. It's funny. I've, I've always been a bit of an apologist for star Trek five. I know people hate star Trek five. <laughs> um, and, and I've, and I've always said, yes, it has its problems. I, I don't think it's as bad as people say in general, but, but the scenes like the campfire scenes and stuff, the interaction between Kirk, Spock and McCoy in that movie is probably better than any other time that the three of them have been together. You're um, not wrong. Chemistry that they have. And that alone makes that movie worthwhile for me. Yeah. You know, and, you know, it's kind of to me, cause I totally feel you on that. And I feel like, you know what? We ditched the uniforms, you know, we're in civilian clothing. Mm-hmm. We've been together for so long. The command structure of yes, 
Kirk is still the captain. Spock is still, you know, first officer. Bones is still CMO and, you know, and everybody else. But uh, at that point, it's kind of beyond rank. It's beyond, you know, uh, command structure. It's we are friends. We are we are a family. And I think I think that was something that they kind of tried to get to as quickly as possible in the Kelvin timeline of, you know, you know, those were such big shoes to fill. And not only are they big shoes to fill, but every role (laughs) was big shoes to fill of like, how do we make this? How do we make this cast feel like they've been together since 1966? And that that's a tall order. And, you know, met with, you know, that's, and of course that's up for debate, but anyways, in terms of, they did okay. Yeah. Yeah. I like them. That's fine. It's, it's, it's more Star Trek. We're all good. (laughs) Um, But you know what? Uh, So getting back to enterprise, we talked about the, uh, the nature of the episodic versus uh, serialized uh, storytelling. And this, we are hip deep in this, uh, in this story of the Zindi have attacked earth. And here we are, in the expanse trying hell just being in the expanse means you're trying to survive and i think a lot of this stuff comes to a head with this episode but before we get into it let's get to this week's recap spoiler alert spoiler alert spoiler alert there is a darkness deep within the delphic expanse some say can drive a vulcan man Archer carries to Paul into sickbay, where he and Doc Flock strap her to a bed. This is the mega genius equivalent of dying on the toilet. She awakens and threatens to kill Archer, and Flock sedates her. Oh yeah! A day earlier, Enterprise received a distress call from the Vulcan cruiser Selea and found the ship adrift in an asteroid belt rich in terellium ore. Archer decides to send in a space bus, as Enterprise is too big to maneuver among the asteroids. En route, Paul informs the other members of the away team that the Vankara had been sent into the expanse to find the Salea. But the crew began to attack one another, and the ship was destroyed. Meanwhile, Trip and Travis decide to mine some Trillian ore from an asteroid. Reed, Paul, and Archer board the Salea and are attacked by zombie-like Vulcans. Soon, Paul begins to show the same effects as seen in the other Vulcans. Archer and the away team fight their way to the Salea's engineering section, where they attempt to reroute the bulkhead controls on the ship so they can get back to their space bus. They discuss a general override, which would unlock the bulkheads, but also shut down the containment on the warp core, and T'Pol accuses Archer of wanting to kill all the Vulcans. Trip and Travis retrieve the ore, but their space bus is damaged in the process. After they return to Enterprise, they begin repairs. Meanwhile, the Vulcan crew begin to gas engineering and so on, forcing Reed to activate the override. Archer's away team head back to the space bus and arrive moments before the Salea is due to explode, but find the docking clamps are locked. Trip and Travis then arrive on the second space bus, shoot out the clamps, and bounce as the Salea is destroyed. Farewell, Salea. Tucker announces enough ore was recovered to shield the forward hull but Archer notes that it will harm to Paul and orders it stored in a biohazard locker until a cure can be created. Great. So you briefly mentioned that a lot of these episodes, uh, especially in the first two seasons, um, 
and even getting here, getting into the second, uh, or excuse me, the third season, there's every now and then they'll have one that really feels like a horror movie. And I have to think like uh, Rick Decker, who was, you know, involved in a lot of different uh, genre type filmmaking before taking this on, had a little something to do with that. And even looking at episodes like um, not Minefield, but the one immediately after where they go to get repaired and it's that automated. I, I think so. No, yeah. no, no, no. Sorry. Cold Station 12 is in season four. It's uh. It's yeah, more of the space station though. What's that called? Oh, it's. Yeah, I know the one you mean. I can't. Yeah, think of the title. yeah, I can't think of it either. Yeah, that, that um, is a creepy. That is a creepy episode. Yeah, it's really, really creepy, and I think that's some of some of that stuff is so fun, you know, to sort of mix genres. Um, if you had to, uh, what are what are your favorite kind of genre mashups? Do you do you like mashups? Are you a fan of mashups? Do you like the space with cowboys or do you like the horror set in space or yeah it's, we're it's revolving funny. a lot around space here but <laughs> yeah no no now i would say i probably don't watch a lot of mashup stuff i tend to be more of a purist you know oh, if I, that's I fair down for a sci-fi movie i want a, i want a sci-fi movie i'll tell you what's changed that a little bit though um is one of the things i think the mcu has done well uh, at least early on, is mm-hmm. they've created this like they're all superhero movies, sure, but they're also kind of something else. You know, like if you think of that phase one, you've got you know Iron Iron Man's kind of your straight up superhero movie, yeah. But then Captain America is it's a superhero movie, but it's also a World War II flick, and Thor is a superhero movie, but it's also kind of a Lord of the Ringsy kind of thing, and uh-huh. Hulk is a superhero movie, but it's also a monster film. You know. Um, yeah. And I think they do. I, I like a, I like stuff like that. I like when that's done well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think for the most part, those are done well. Uh, but I'm, I'm struggling to think of any like straight up mashup stuff that that I get into. Well, when we when we discussed the um, the Firefly pilot, I was mm-hmm. you know because a lot of people think um, you know space western. They think yeah, western. Sure. They think Star Wars. And I'm like, yeah, and it, and that's kind of that's kind of coming into fruition a little bit more now with stuff like Mandalorian and Book yeah. of Boba Fett for sure. I think but that's true. There, the, I would actually say Star Wars is more of a fantasy in space. Yeah, yeah, it's more of a fantasy. And uh, to be honest, like Firefly truly feels like a space western. I was like, you know, that that to me is space western. Yeah. Um, but you know, one of the things I really enjoyed are the uh, Alien and Predator films. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, uh, depending on the setting or the timeline or whatever, you know, it's that element of horror. And, uh, you know, a lot of these, uh, you know, a lot of the horror film type episodes of Enterprise, you can almost directly relate to another another oh, film. Yeah. And those are always so much fun to me because after uh, after Minefield, uh, there was Dead Stop. It's Dead, Dead Stop. Stop. Yeah, yeah, that's where they go. And uh, it always reminds me of like 2001 A Space Odyssey, where the, the, the station's alive. And but then, you know, it's everything's super clean and very, you know, uh, uh, symmetrical. And it's just, oh, man, I, gosh, I could go for a cheeseburger. Whoop, here's a cheeseburger for you. Like yeah. all of that stuff. And then to find out, it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to need one of your crew because we're going to use their brain to power the ship. Like, oh, my God. They do a good job in that, too. I think mm-hmm. Roxanne Dawson actually is the voice of the computer there. I think she directed the episode. She, she did. She directed she, that episode. 
but even in her delivery of the voice it's it's just so sterile and cold but uh-huh. just enough that it's it's a little creepy too i think she does a good job with the with the voice acting in that yeah it's it's disarming at first which is kind of the point yep. but then you know open the pod bay doors hal I'm sorry i can't do that like oh no <laughs> yeah. but yeah you know and i think uh one of the very first episodes the uh fight or flight was oh, yeah. was really great because it's told mostly through the perspective of Hoshi who is yep. not an astronaut she was yeah, she's not terrified down for this yeah. yeah and you know it's kind of hey we i'm here to translate oh yeah that's what we need you to do on this away mission is we need you to go in and read you know read the things on the wall so yeah. we know where we're going what we're doing okay what's in this room oh just a bunch of dead bodies hanging from the ceiling <laughs> yeah oh yeah oh man i do do think enterprise does that horror genre probably better than any of the other treks have yeah Um, i think so. it's funny as i was as i was watching i watched this episode again two nights ago just to Mm -hmm. prepare for this it's been a little while since i've seen it Mm -hmm. and um there's a lot of parallels actually between this and tng's genesis Ooh. okay you know just where like something's happened to basically the whole crew so the whole ship is kind of you know against you there are not as many people chasing them in that you know it's mostly just you know warp um right but it's funny too because the the plot device is really similar too where in that one the crews de-evolve and in this one you know topal has got even that speech about how like vulcans used to be a lot more violent and uh-huh. you know, this kind of thing that messes up their synapses or whatever is kind of she doesn't use the term de-evolve but it's it's kind of similar thing is happening to them right although although i did find it interesting so the deal is the trellium right is like messing with their you know emotions right yeah like yeah really it's unlocking all the you know the what emotional I, what I stuff yeah what i can't figure out and you know this is stuff you think about it probably doesn't matter but you still think about it like how how is that then also making them like more impervious to phaser fire and creating like boils on their face and stuff and making them like like i never drew that connection like you know that's well, just listen that's just to make them scarier i guess you know we're both we're both higher up on the ladder of the nerd of uh, the nerd uh evolution here so yeah, i think it, we can figure this out so I, here's here's a theory uh feel free to uh counterpoint um i think the uh the radiation released from the ore is kind of like red kryptonite and sort of uh, is sort of unlocking things at the same time kind of mashed with like they're unlocking things uh from their childhood and unlocking those emotions in addition to like the childlike nature and uh so the things on their face is basically like all the pent-up uh acne just coming out at once (laughs) and uh impervious to phaser fire um it's getting their rage up uh they just rolled a d20 uh <laughs> on an attack and this is what they're doing this is where they're going uh adrenaline. <laughs> yeah hey that's good that's as good an explanation as any let me ask you this though yeah are the are the vulcan zombies quote quote unquote zombies in this are they are they scared do you find them scary you know i talked about uh the the delivery of the visuals in these things of certain characters who are supposed to be scary. And I think they, they opt for a certain lighting scheme to show us, Hey, look at all these fantastic prosthetics that we put on this actor. And is, aren't these digital effects really, really cool. But if you look at stuff like X-Files, how many different scenes in X-Files were 
these figures sitting in shadow like oh yeah and you can't see them you might be able to hear them speak but you know at most maybe you get a silhouette of something like that i go back to the spielberg um the spielberg formula it's all you know you don't have to show the shark like just imply what the shark is and you know the size and the uh, ferocity and all that stuff we'll be terrified like we're it's star trek we're already on board but if you want to sell us on this particular person or this particular alien race or this particular creature whatever it is is supposed to be scary Mm. don't show us tell us tell us in a roundabout way now that's kind of hard to accomplish in 44 minutes Sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, you know, I'm 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 a big fan of less is more. Yeah, I was when I was watching this, I was thinking, you know, what is it that makes? Because obviously, they're supposed to be, you know, zombies, right? That's right. The, that's kind of the genre they're going for here, right? This is uh-huh. this is a zombie episode. And I was thinking, what is it that makes, at least to me, what is it that makes zombies terrifying? Because mm. I do find zombies fairly terrifying. Oh, yeah. I actually can't. Actually, I watched like the first three episodes of The Walking Dead when it first came out. Ah. And the night after I watched the third episode, I had a dream that my cousin showed up as a zombie and I had to murder him with a pickaxe. Oh my God. <laughs> and I woke up. I, it was just so disturbing. And I woke up and I was like, yeah, I'm not watching that show anymore. I can't do that. Um, just just to, just I, to show you, it's all The Walking Dead trains nice. right yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> but see, to me, one thing that makes these zombies, I, I do think makes them a little scary, is mm-hmm. they're smart, right? Like they're using phasers and stuff. Yeah. So that that gives them a little bit of edge up. Like like zombies are usually mindless. And you know, if you have smart zombies, it's kind of like, ooh, man, that's that's rough. Yeah. But it, at the same time, I think for me, the thing that really makes zombies terrifying is not that they're going to kill you, but that they're going to turn you into one of them, right? That loss of you know, not to get too deep, but that like loss of self and that yeah. like you will, they're going to eat your brains or whatever. And you're going to become one. Mm-hmm. And this, this doesn't have that, right. They're just trying to, they're, if they, if they catch them, they're going to kill them, but they're not going to look, well, maybe to Paul, but that's different. You're not right. going to turn into one of them. Yeah. And so I kind of watched this thinking like, yeah, they're just not as scary as regular zombies to me. I know yeah. what they're going for, but just, it loses something there. I no. think, you know, in looking at, cause I'm on another show, uh, cinema shock where we do, um, uh, genre film history is is our is our thing on that show and we started with uh, the first series that we did um focused on the collaborations between george romero and um uh tom savini oh, uh, yeah. and you know in looking and i enjoy i really enjoy zombie movies i mean like i said i just pointed out like i got all the yeah. walking dead traits up here um i i do enjoy zombie movies but i kind of i i I enjoy sort of the breaking down of like, okay, what's scarier, like a George Romero shuffling zombie or like a 28 days later, it sees you and starts sprinting at you and will World War Z. Those things were fast. Yeah. Yeah. And look, as a, as a chubby kid who had a hard time doing the mile in sixth grade, like a sprinting zombie who could conceivably just run forever. That's horrifying to me. Um, but I do see what you're saying about like they bite you, they they turn you like that human spark goes out and is yeah. replaced with something darker. And that's why the that's why the Borg are terrifying. Yeah. Why a, I think they're a better analog to 
traditional zombies than than what they're doing in this episode oh yeah and it's kind of and they're so and not only that but they're so cold about it of like yeah we're not going to take all of you but we're going to add your technological and biological distinctiveness to our own so we we are going to dissect you and just take what we like which is it's akin to we're going to eat you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what we don't like, you probably just get tossed away or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. That's, that's fun. That's um, it's yeah, it's definitely terrifying. Uh, so give me your, what was the last zombie movie you watched? Was it world war Z? Actually, it probably was. Um, okay. Not a big horror genre guy. Um, I really have to be in the mood. Um, Okay, so but yeah, actually, World War Z was probably the last one, and that was probably a couple years ago. Yeah, okay, I haven't really seen any of the more recent zombie stuff. But. So let's take all of Star Trek and set it aside for just a second. As someone who is thoughtful and very analytical about their sci-fi, um, if you had to give me a top five or a top three um, sci-fi movies, again, outside of Star Trek. Yeah. Um, would you go, would you go more action? Would you lean heavier towards action or maybe more towards the sciencey type stuff or. Yeah. I, I like, I like like first contacty kind of movies. Okay. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Independence contact. day. Uh, yeah. Independence day is fun. Okay. Um, even stuff, even stuff that's a little more thoughtful, like um, contact that yes. Jodie Foster movie. Yes. Uh, that was interesting. McConaughey. You got yeah. McConaughey as a surfer priest. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, Arrival was really good. Arrival, but, that's a good one. Yeah. You know, like that. The thing I think sci-fi does probably uh, might be hyperbolic to say better than any other genre, but what it does well is you can tell stories that have nothing to do with the sci-fi element, but they're just about you know the human condition or um, yes. sometimes even like big topic it could be like faith you know some big topics things like that but you kind of package it in this this science fiction thing you almost fool people i mean star trek is you know traditionally famous for, for doing that telling yes. like morality plays and, of course you know, so, so even when it comes to films i tend to be in into stuff like that maybe a little more than just the shoot 'em up action sci-fi not that i don't you know I'm, i like those too but right i know uh i mentioned you know my love for uh the alien and predator movies um yeah. And and I, you know, despite what my co-hosts on Cinema Shock would say, I actually do like horror movies. Um, but to be honest, like when I think of uh, sci-fi, part of what I really enjoy um, is one person trying to figure out the answer to the problem. Um, stuff like Moon with oh, Moon, Sam, Sam Rockwell of like he is yeah. presented with this thing and he's got to try to figure it out. Um, I am legend, which is, you know, it's sci-fi leaning towards horror, but sure, like, yeah. uh, you know, there it's, it's single dude it's one guy just trying to figure it out. Um, I recently rewatched the hilarious comedy, the Martian, uh, with Matt Damon, oh, yeah. um, which is actually funnier than most people recall. Yeah, <laughs> there a is a lot movie. of dark like humor, yeah. but it's, you know, okay. You're stranded on Mars what do you do? <laughs> and I, I love watching, you know, uh, the fight for survival, which I feel like is, you know, you mentioned uh, those things that sci-fi comments on so well, that's part of, you know, that's part of the human experience is that 
the drive to survive, um, you know, using science to figure out the problem, to figure out the answer, um, it bringing things into question of like, who are we? What is the nature of civilization? All that stuff, you know, uh, I, you know, independent, I mentioned independence day because it's, it's nostalgia for me. It's one yeah, of those. It's a fun movie. It's yeah. It's a fun one. <laughs> it, it goes against like everything that you, that and, like everything that you think shouldn't be in a horror movie. Cause it's going to make it, or in a sci-fi horror action thing, it's going to make it really cheesy. Like, independence day just leaned right into it. it's like okay oh, yeah. we we probably shouldn't have a political figure a scientist or uh or a soldier as our main characters who do they have uh the president <laughs> a scientist and uh, an air force or a marine captain <laughs> like okay but it worked it worked also a great great brent spiner role in yes that. yes there's the star trek connection <laughs> Well, uh, speaking of uh, connections and behind the scenes, as we ask every week, who do we blame? Uh, this story was written by Jonathan Fernandez. This is his first of two appearances on the franchise, working on something on the franchise. Then we've got uh, Mr. Terry Matalas. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, he's got a really interesting career, heavily focused on Star Trek. He started as an assistant on Voyager for six episodes. And then got into uh, Enterprise as a production associate for 97 episodes. I believe that's the entire run. He actually wrote two, this and then season three, episode 14, Stratagem, which we'll get to uh, later on down the line. But now he's an executive producer and showrunner on Picard. So if you get into Star Trek, kids, stick with it. <laughs> After you retire from NASA... Uh, and then you become a consultant on a Star Trek show. Just stick with it. It'll make your career. <laughs> uh, and of course, the teleplay was uh, penned by Fernandez as well. The director of this episode was David Livingston. We've spoken about him before. Last episode he directed was season two, episode 23, Regeneration, which that we, we spoke briefly about uh, the Borg. That was actually kind of a controversial episode where the ripples from the movie first contact bled over into enterprise. And we discussed that uh, on our episode with the voice of the USS protostar, the lovely uh, Bonnie Gordon came on to talk about that one. Do you have, uh, how did, how did you feel about uh, regeneration? Do you recall that episode at all? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I I liked it. I, I feel like enterprise you know, they've done that a couple of times, right? They did it with the Ferengi. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did it with the Borg. I feel like there's another one, but I, maybe it was just those two where you know, uh, they, they shouldn't. Yeah, they kind of had a Romulan. They had a Romulan ship appear, but we never actually saw them. Yeah. So they, they thread that yeah. needle. Okay. You know? Yeah. And, and I, you know, as a <laughs> as a guy that's into canon and everything, I, I at least appreciate the effort, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, I liked Regeneration. I, I thought it was pretty good. Um, one of the things that I get on the chronology project site fairly frequently is because people don't, <laughs> they read the list. They don't always read, you know, we've got a, we I keep saying, we, I have a section on there. <laughs> See, I'm used to it now. Yeah. I have a, I have a section on there where I kind of explain how I did it all. Right. Yeah. And, um, and the very first thing that I address is time travel. Yes. You know, because you, you have, you have to address that somehow. Otherwise it gets all. Absolutely. Long. When people don't read that, they'll come and they'll say, well, hey, this had to happen before this because, it, you know, and the, the rule that I take on the site is 
it's it's the always the perspective of the you know like the quote unquote the heroes right mm -hmm. so yeah. regeneration even though it's a sequel to first contact clearly doesn't you know it's an enterprise episode yeah you know and so you're not looking at that from the point of view of picard and all that you're looking at it from the point of view of archer and, and all that so um it's a little strange that they encounter the borg and they they don't retain anything so that you know 200 years later there's no like exactly. wait, wait wait you know that's a little strange but you know i can i can overlook that that's <laughs> that's it's not that bad but it, it's a good it's it, I, I remember it being a fun episode it's been a while since i've watched it yeah yeah i know uh the discussion i had with uh bonnie gordon on the on the show was you know it was interesting to see um archer take the stance of like all right we're gonna try to rescue him that's not work fire torpedoes yeah. <laughs> wow that was quick <laughs> this escalated very quickly yeah. <laughs> um so uh you know final thoughts here about um here about uh enterprise this episode in particular um your experience here on the show yeah um sure. yeah no this has been fun it's fun just talking trek i've had a blast uh, this know, has been really great i have uh, it's it's not like it was when I was in middle school. I actually have lots of friends now, but uh, <laughs> but none of them want to talk Star Trek. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so this is this is fun. Same, same boat, same boat. <laughs> Every time I mention something to my wife, I just see the eyes just roll into the back of the head. Oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah, no, this has been fun. Um, yeah, as far as the episode and and Star Trek, it, it's it's funny. One thing I was thinking as I was watching this, and it, it ties into the episode. I was going to ask you your your thoughts on it. There's that scene, you know, they go in, they find the Salea, you know, mm -hmm. yada, yada, yada. They're in the shuttlecraft. Paul's talking about how, you know, she she knows these people. She served on this ship for a year uh -huh. prior. Yeah. And for some reason, that got me thinking, like, has Star Trek as a whole, as the series have gone on throughout the decades, do you feel like, and I'm kind of leading the question here, but I feel like it, the universe keeps getting smaller, right? So, like, I think of TOS. The ship's out there. There's, like, nothing, right? It's, like they could run into anything it, they feel very isolated very out it's this huge universe where anything can happen uh -huh. you know then you get to tng and it's very similar but they're also like stopping at star bases more often they're meeting up with other federation ships and you know it's like okay i mean they're out there but they're not they're not out there out there yeah you know then you kind of get the deep space nine where they're kind of like the stuff happening there feels like sort of the epicenter of everything that's happening in the of galaxy course. yeah it's the space ball yeah and that's kind of like you know, that's just the way the shows are structured. But then I was thinking this, I was like, okay, so what are the odds that one Vulcan, the one Vulcan on the ship, on the show, <laughs> and they, they run into this ship, they're in this expanse that's supposed to be this unexplored place nobody's ever been. And she's like, oh yeah, hey, I know all these people. <laughs> you know, it just, it just feels, it feels small. And then I think, I think it gets worse as it goes on, honestly, when you, when you think of like shows, and again, not to bash on it, but like Discovery, where you kind of have one character who's sort of responsible for everything that happens in the universe in some ways, you know? Yeah. You know, Michael Burnham, she starts the Klingon War, she ends the Klingon War, you know, she, she's the Red Angel, you know, all this. And I just feel like, does the universe keep getting smaller and smaller as Star Trek goes on? And, and that's a writing, it's a writing problem, you know? I don't know. I, I, I can't say I disagree. Uh, I don't know that I'd ever really sat and thought about that, but here, here are my thoughts on that. I feel that much like, you know, the discovery uh, and exploration of this very planet uh, earth that we are on right now, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, it might be, you know, eons in the future, um, <laughs> but you know, we found out 
just how small it really is. And that was one of the things, you know, from first contact when Zephyr Cochran, you know, with Riker and Jordy behind him, they get out there and he turns the ship around. He goes, is that earth? And they're like, yeah, that's it. And he's like, it's so small. And then as we start to explore all this stuff, you know, throughout the series, yeah, oh man, we're encountering these blue people with antennas and the the green people and they dance and it makes me feel things. And we're, you know, we're talking about people who can read minds and, and these people, you know, half their face is black, the other half is white. And I don't know what's going on there. And there's Abraham Lincoln. And like, (laughs) we're, we're finding all kinds of stuff, but as we continue to branch out um yeah we're we're finding that it's oh oh you know as the technology gets better with the ships it's kind of like oh yeah they're just right over there or you know and it's all and it is all this very interconnected thing and i think maybe some of the writing is falling victim to a little bit of nostalgia of like hey you know what my favorite uh my favorite alien race is the andorians so i'm gonna write an andorian story I think the best thing that Discovery has done is go a thousand years in the future because now their reach is wider. And we're also seeing the president, the president of the Federation, who clearly has some Cardassian in the background. Like every now and then, you know, through, uh, you know, TOS and the TNG era, we were seeing it was rare to see like, oh, this person is half Klingon or, you know, in the case of Simon Tarsus. My grandfather was Romulan or something along those lines. Now in the distant, in the distant future where Discovery's at now, we got all kinds. And it's, yeah. you know, we're seeing we're seeing some new species as we're able to travel out further. So I think yeah, the, bigger, blend, the blending of like, hey, sense. here's the old familiar stuff, but we got a bunch of new people you've never seen before. And we're gonna get into those, hopefully. Yeah, the, I'd say the the galaxy is bigger in that sense. But it's also like when it comes to writing, I feel like it is smaller because everything still kind of ties to the characters in the show. You know, like season season three of Discovery, you know, there was the, the burn, you know, and all that. And right. Nobody could figure that out until Discovery shows up, this ship from a thousand years in the past. And they're like, oh, no, we can figure that out. You know, and, yeah. and that's fine. That's fine if that's the story that you want to tell. It just it just made me think because because when I was watching this episode and that whole thing with DePaul and she knows the crew, I was like, huh, I wonder if that funnel has just gotten narrower and narrower. <laughs> it may but be. That, yeah. yeah, it's you know, I and I always because as much as I harp on um the quality of the writing and the diversity or lack of diversity in the writer's room uh for Enterprise, you know, I'm always also quick to point out that uh i believe it was wired magazine did an article um which it didn't set out to be this but it ended up being how to write for star trek and i was you know as i've i've written some things and i was kind of you know i love star trek i was like all right you know let's you know it's a formula it can't be that hard famous last words read that article sometime like it's it is tricky there and they kind of do they kind of have a test. They kind of have a test paragraph in that article of like, read this. And as you read through it, and I started reading some of it, I was like, okay, that's interesting. That's interesting. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. And then, you know, at the very next paragraph, you're back into the article of like, okay, if this thing didn't send red flags up from the first sentence you read, then you probably shouldn't write for Star Trek. And here's why. And oh, it like, they broke it all down. I think initially that article was basically, 
hey, here's a day on the set of Star Trek Voyager, I think is what they were actually doing. But okay. whoever wrote the article, on, and, I, and I'll, I'll put a link to it in the show notes, uh, folks, and I highly, highly recommend uh, going and reading it because it is very fascinating. Um, it started as kind of here is the day on the set of Voyager, but it qu- quickly turned into falling down the rabbit hole of the executive producer and their office and what they're looking for and the writer's room of like, okay, yes, it's formulaic television, but we have all of these things to consider, not only like character arcs and the history that's been set in place since 66, but we kind of like to make sure our science is on point. So here's our technical advisors from NASA. Like, oh yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. They have to consider all of that. And yeah, you know, Star Trek has a, great history of having a lot of what is uh lovingly coined techno babble yeah, in sure. their in their scripts but it's not far from real science people oh, yeah. like this no, stuff's really tricky um so but i completely see what you're saying you know you know what are the odds that what are the odds that the one vulcan that's on enterprise oh yeah that's the ship i happen to serve on a, for a, for a full year before full i was year. with you guys yeah, yeah like, like right before basically yeah, exactly yeah. Huh, small universe <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh well um man this is this jason this has been so much fun having you on and i yeah, I, I please 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 come back uh so i i have one more big question about yeah. Star Trek chronology project. Um, sure. And I don't think, I don't, I don't think when I started putting this list together, um, I don't think the things were in place for me to even have this question, but being, you know, with the current state of Star Trek, you know, we've got a whole bunch of new stuff coming. Um, so one of the things that you made a point of with the chronology project was that you were not integrating the animated series that took place in the seventies, right after TOS. Um, but looking at things like prodigy and, um, lower decks, which both have integrated, uh, prime timeline live action characters into their narratives. Is there a chance, is there a chance that the animated stuff might make their own entries on the chronology yeah. project in the future. You know, it's funny. I, I get that question a lot. Um, and I think I did add, I don't update the site too terribly often. Usually if usually just when there's a new season mm-hmm. that ends, you know, you know, cause it, it's an old, it's an old site and it's basically a, a blog site. So yeah, actually updating it is kind of a, it's kind of a pain, just like formatting the list and stuff. Oh, sure. So, so I don't do it very often, but yeah, I get that question a lot. Um, it, it's interesting. So when I originally made it, it, it's it's kind of a small miracle I even published it online because I really just did it for myself because I thought it would be fun and I don't even remember why I decided to put it online. I think it was more of <laughs> I had I had it in like an old database software like Microsoft Access or something. Yeah, and I was like this this won't I won't always be able to access this, but if I put it online, I'll always be able to go back and see it. You know, right? And and it's it's funny because I did it, uh, and I'll answer your question here in a second. But I did it, and then. I just forgot about it. And like eight years later or something, seven years later, I went back on it. And that's when I realized like people had been leaving comments. Um, <laughs> there were like wow. over a million views or something like that. And I'm like, oh, Whoa. like this is a this is a thing like this happened in my absence. You know, it was just this thing I did for myself. Um, and then I would be on like Reddit and stuff. And I'd see people like 
linking to it and talking about it. And I was like, wow, okay, that was never that was never the intent. It was just something fun I did for myself. But nice. And because of that, when I when I did it, at the time the animated series wasn't really considered canon, you know, like the the yeah. what they were saying at the time. This was years ago. This was over a decade ago. Yeah, yeah. What they were saying at the time is canon is live action on screen. So no books, no comics, no cartoons, you know, et cetera, right. et cetera. Right. Now that has since changed most people consider animated series canon but because ultimately this is something that i've done really for myself um what i wanted to create was a list of episodes that you could watch that someone could watch and see the entire story of star trek unfold chronologically yeah and to me it seems like some things kind of uh interrupt that in a way so lower decks is a great example right Lower Decks is a great show. I love Lower Decks. I actually think it's the best new Trek show on TV. You're not wrong. It's really it's, good. It's, it's so good. It's yeah. so good. They, they, they tell succinct stories. It's funny. You know, as, yeah. as a Star Trek fan, the references are hilarious most of the time. Oh, yeah. You know, but if I'm watching, I think it's a really good example, though, too, of what I'm talking about, where if I'm watching this all unfold and I watch Nemesis. Mm-hmm. And the next thing after Nemesis that I watch, because that's probably about where it fits. The next thing after Nemesis that I watch is Lower Decks. The tone is so different. Very. That even though I know, yeah. like, even though I know the powers that be are saying, yes, this is the same universe. You watch Riker in TNG or anything else he's in. And then you see the, the Riker in Lower Decks is clearly a caricature of Riker. And so yeah, yeah. <laughs> the tone bugs me a little bit, right? So that's why I've I've kind of kept it to live action. Now, what I did do um a little while back is I, I tried to find a happy medium because because I do get this comment a lot on the site. Yeah. And um, and I don't, you know, I don't want to be that guy, you know. <laughs> so what I've tried to do is a happy medium where I've now kind of annotated the site. And so I have some things like uh, if you're looking at the page or whatever on the right hand side. So I have where the animated series kind of exists. Like I don't have them all individual, but it's like, here's where it goes. Yeah. I did the same. I did the same for lower decks actually. Mm -hmm. uh, and also all the short treks because those are a little different. And some of those are animated too. Yeah. Yeah. Those are tricky. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, and some of those are really tricky to place actually. Probably. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so there, th that stuff's on there and prodigy. I'll do the same thing with that stuff's on there. Um, but I, I've tried to keep the list kind of pure to an experience. Um, mm. that doesn't mean it won't change. In fact, I've, I've thought about like, well, I could publish two lists, <laughs> you know, one that's just live action and one that's everything. I just don't know when I'll have time to get around to it. <laughs> I no, Yeah. Cause I mean, it is, it is daunting. It was daunting, uh, for me to just copy paste into Excel and then yeah. start expanding um because uh for for the listeners i have jason's list but i've included the writers the directors the premiere date the, yeah. <laughs> the all kinds of stuff that's yeah, quite the spreadsheet yeah yeah it's, yeah it's, it's quite lengthy um but yeah it's i mean it is a it is daunting and one of the things that i've encountered when um people are maybe not as familiar with star trek is like hey you know what i'd I, I want to get into Star Trek. Where do I start? And it's kind of like, whoa, okay. <laughs> you know, so I've, I've thought about basically taking the chronology and whittling it down to the essential viewing. Interesting, yeah. And that's tricky too, because you kind of, and see if this rings true for you, to do an essential watch list, you kind of have to do it in reverse. 
you kind of have to start at the end and be like, okay, well, they're referencing this. So I got to have that. Okay. The episode before references this thing. So I got to make sure I have that. So now I have these two, this one, and this one. And it's, you, you, you kind of have to go backwards. And again, you know, much like we talked about with um, like TNG, you could follow Picard's story or you could Mm -hmm. follow Riker's story, you know, and as you get into different, you know, different things, I obviously the big one to follow is probably Picard uh, just because you've got, you know, his crossover with TOS for the one movie, you know, so that introduces, you know, the TOS era into Picard's timeline and then everything that is happening now on the show Picard, you know, obviously makes references back to TNG and the TNG era, you know, everything that hell stuff that Picard did as Locutus kind of set the wheels in motion for Deep Space Nine. And then, you know, Voyager at the beginning of Voyager, where are they? Deep Space Nine. So it, yeah. it all kind of connects. And, and of course, if you're following Picard, you can't not mention Seven. Yeah. So there, so there's your Voyager connection. I mean, it's... It, yeah, it's, it's funny. I, I started doing some of that on the site um, where I have, like, uh, I think I called them, like, marathon lists or something like that. Ooh, yeah. Where I still keep them in the, in the chronological order. I pull them out of the main list and I have things like... I mean, some of it's simple, like, here's all the Borg episodes, here's all the Q episodes, here's all, you know. Right. There's a, there, I think there's three I did that are a little more interesting. Well, maybe four. One is, one that's really interesting is to watch all the Maquis stuff because yeah. that really does cross over between, it actually starts in TNG, really solidifies in Deep Space Nine and then is a big, a big part of watching Voyager. And so that's kind of fun to watch. The only character I've done it with was Worf. Um, really because, and it's not like all the wharf episodes but there's like an arc that he follows that starts probably sins of the father might be the first one okay kind of goes through a lot of tng and then carries over into deep space nine it really really ends with i think it's the penultimate episode of ds9 where he kills galvon you know right right oh Galvan. yeah <laughs> and um and that was that was fun to do just to kind of follow that arc the only other two things i've done like that on the site is I think I did before Picard came out. I think I did a like here are episodes to watch before Picard, and and there was a lot of like key Picard stuff, but also some Seven of Nine stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did a guide to I think I called it a guide to the far future before Discovery season three. It's on there somewhere. Um, yeah, I did it a while back, but it's it's basically like here are all the episodes that reference things that happen like way after you know, TNG and Deep Space Nine and stuff, you know, like somewhere in between what we kind of like the normal 23rd century stuff that we know or 24th century stuff that we know and where Discovery's going. Yeah. And that was interesting because it's there's a lot of Temple Cold War stuff and Enterprise in there. Uh-huh. Okay, here's where this faction's from and they're kind of in between here and stuff. And that was a fun list to make. Um, so that's that's part of the fun of it too, is just pulling out pulling out smaller lists from the large one. Oh yeah. It's uh, you know, again. You've done the Lord's work. Uh, it is is such a it is it is a really really fun site. And I mean, I mentioned it, you know, right off the bat of you know when this podcast started, and I've mentioned it several times in the last, you know, uh, well, this is our this is our fiftieth episode. So uh, oh, yeah, yes, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> thank you. Only and, uh, like six hundred more to go. Or I know. Eight hundred. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna be doing this till you die, man. I know. Well, that was the thing. My wife's a financial analyst, and when I told her that I was doing Star Trek, she goes, "She goes, how many episodes?" And I told her, and she, I saw her look up at the ceiling for a second, and she was like, 
15 years. <laughs> I was like, yeah, something like that. <laughs> I remember when I first made the list, I went and I, I watched through everything just because, because I knew there was some small reference stuff that might, because you can't just go, well, anyway, it's all on the site. I won't go into it, but you can't just go by star dates and stuff all the time. Yeah. No, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty complex actually. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and uh, I remember it took me, and I watched a lot of Star Trek, like multiple episodes a day. Usually it took me about a year and a half. And that was before Discovery and Picard or any of that was a thing. So you're, you could be doing this for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, as stuff's gone on and I think it's been a while since I've added anything. But I think some of the last stuff I added was probably um, the Lower Decks stuff and Picard. And that's one of the things that I've, you know, debated in terms of production of this podcast. Like, okay, I mean, you know, here we are. Uh, we're going to finish Enterprise this year. So, you know, up, up next is Discovery. First two seasons of Discovery. Okay, yeah. they're shorter seasons. But again, it's it's one big narrative. It's serialized. So yeah. do I stick with the one episode a week or do I start, you know, do I do, do I make it a whole run of two episode, you know, two episode per podcast episode oh, yeah. uh, shows and try to do it that way. I, you know, I, it's, yeah, it'd be interesting to, to hear talking about that. I actually remember, um, to mention Wes's podcast again, but it's a, it's a good podcast. So hey. it is, and I'm um, I'm going on they, I'm going on the Penske file later this week. Actually, oh, that's great. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> I'm excited. No, Wes, I said hi. Yeah. Um, but uh, I remember when they did, they covered Discovery. It it was it was it did seem harder for them to talk about each episode as its own thing, and this was as they were airing too. You mm. know. Oh yeah. Just because of that, it, it, they just feel like more of a piece of a whole rather than their own thing yeah um yeah, it'd, be, it'd be interesting to to see how that that works for you yeah i think the uh the water cooler aspect of newer trek you know because it is serialized is definitely it is definitely a double-edged sword of kind of oh it's it's great you know it creates drive to keep watching yeah. uh but at the same time like if you miss one like you're screwed you you <laughs> gotta catch up <laughs> um well anyways uh next week uh, we will be joined by one of the co-hosts of the More You Nerd podcast, someone we've been trying to have on the show uh, uh, for a very long time as well. Mr. Drew Burris will uh, be here to discuss Enterprise Season 3, Episode 6, Exile, which, of course, is available on Paramount+. Plus. Jason, where can people specifically find uh, the Star Trek Chronology Project? Uh, anything else you have going on? Uh, what do you want people's eyeballs on? Yeah, um, I, I don't have a huge internet presence, to be honest. The Chronology Project, like I said, it's a thing I made and it's kind of taken on a life of its own and I do my best to update it, uh, you know, when I can. Uh, but you can find that at the Star Trek Chronology Project.blogspot.com. And everything's on there. Those lists I mentioned and all that. I'll probably be adding Discovery Season 3 pretty soon once it wraps up and um, and probably an annotation for, for Prodigy because people do want that and uh, try to give people what they want at least a little bit. And uh, <laughs> uh, that's about it. Uh, I don't do a lot of content creation or anything, but you can find me lurking around the internet um, on places like Reddit and Discord and YouTube as JK's Gamer. And I am at Mr. Todd A. Davis on all of the socials from all of us at the Computer Resume Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in 10 
us on Patreon and like, rate, review, and share on all your favorite platforms. Feel free to send us your subspace transmissions to computerresumepodcasts at gmail.com or at computerresume on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The Computer Resume Podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was designed by Will Martin and Justin Bishop. The opening theme was produced by Justin Bishop. And our outro music was provided with permission by Dronode. Additional music was provided by Mr. Todd A. Davis and Gary Horn. And the voice of Computer Resume Podcast and executive producer, me, Kat Davis. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods. And we're going to find a brand new race. How's that for a slice of fried gold?